soldiers knew that there was going to be an upcoming inspection that was going to be done. And they were a bit nervous for him because if he didn't know the right answers, he was going to fail the inspection. So since he uh, struggled with the English language, one of his uh, fellow fellow soldiers, they're going to do an inspection on you, and they're going to ask you three questions. And I can tell you the three questions they're going to ask you. So I'll tell you them. You'll, I'll give you the answer. So what are you laughing at? <laughs> it is funny, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, it is a funny joke. <laughs> um... <laughs> I hope everyone's laughing that much at the end, yeah. So anyways, uh, this, this, the inspection is uh, fellow soldiers said, here are, the, here are the three questions they're going to ask you. So you know the answer, so you pass the inspection. The first question, undoubtedly, they'll ask you, the sergeant, is uh, how long you've been in the military? And the answer to that is what? That's right, two years. Okay. Then the second question, undoubtedly, he'll ask you is how old are you? And your answer to that is what? Right, 22 years, okay? And the final question he's going to ask you for sure is, have they been treating you well, and is the food good? And your answer to that is both. Okay, you got it? So as long as you remember these answers, you'll do fine. Two years, 22 years, both. You got it? Just remember those answers, and you'll do great in the inspection. But don't forget, two years, 22 years, and both. So a few days later, of course, there's the inspection comes, the, the sergeant, and uh, he asks a question. The only thing is he doesn't ask the, the, he asks the three questions. He just doesn't ask them in that order. So he says to the guy, um, he says to the guy, how old are you? And the soldier says, two. That's right. And then he says, uh, how long have you been in the army? And he says, 22 years. And so by this point, the, the drill sergeant is getting really angry and frustrated and annoyed. And finally, he says to him, what do you take me for, a fool or an idiot? And the person says, both. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> Some found it funny. That's good. Yeah. So I'm glad. We're, we're probably all glad that we weren't standing in that young fellow's shoes on the day of inspection, right? But, you know, there is a, there is a much uh, more significant, significant inspection that is going to happen one day. And that is one day the God of the universe is going to return in Jesus and we're going to have to give an account of our lives. There'll be an inspection done in a sense. And so the kind of the, the big question is, um, how are we to live in light of this great reality? This is not a new fad, but Orthodox Christianity has believed this for over 2,000 years. All Orthodox Christians believe that Jesus Christ is one day going to return, and we will have to give an account of our life. So, how do you feel about that? I mean, maybe some, you, or maybe some, you know, so I don't believe that. Okay, but, you know, the Bible it seems to be pretty clear that it's going to happen, that Jesus Christ is going to return. And so... I think one of the things, it should, in one sense, it should be good news, right? It should be like, oh, it, it should, it's just good news. Because the good news is that Jesus Christ is coming back, right? Amen. Okay. It is good news. And the good news is that there's going to be the new heavens and the new earth, right? And that's, he's going to, in a sense, renew everything. Heaven and earth are going to kind of come together. And every single thing is going to be renewed. That's amazing. So it's going to be a time when every, all the wrongs in this world are going to be made right. 
That's right. So it's going to be a time of total renewal. So you think about creation and all that's wrong with creation now, with you know pollution and you know global warming. All of that is going to be renewed perfectly. And you and I are going to be renewed. Those who are in Christ, we're going to get these new bodies and we're going to be transformed. And yes, some are saying hallelujah to that, right? And we are, it's going to be a total renewal. It'll be a time of justice and love, a time of community and of, of, of belonging. And it's just going to, in fact, it's described as this wedding banquet. So think of the most incredible wedding banquet you've been to and think of the, the joy there, the singing and the dancing, the food. It's just going to be an amazing time. It's going to be such good news. But we're still left with this question that in light of this, in light of this truth that that we believe that the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back, how are we to live our lives? What difference does it make? And that's the question that this passage addresses in the Gospel of Luke. So I ask you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 35 to 48 today. If you're new with us, we are going through the Gospel of Luke, and it's been great, wonderful. It's been lots of fun, learning lots of things. Hopefully you have. And today we're in Luke chapter 12. The good news I mentioned last week is that the kids downstairs and the youth downstairs, they're studying the exact same passage that we are today. So parents, so if you have you know, young people down there, teenagers down there, talk with them over lunch. So talk to them today because you're looking at the exact same passage and we're going to kind of be tracking with each other over the next couple months. Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading at verse 35. It's a rather long passage, but... I think it's important to read all of it. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. <clears throat> it says, be dressed ready. And notice how many times the word ready, watch, waiting. Notice how many times ready appears in these verses. Verse 35, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? In verse 42, the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day 
when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servants who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Interesting passage there, isn't it? With a lot of different images going on there. <clears throat> but one of the clear things that uh, I believe this passage is teaching us is teaching us about the reality that Jesus Christ is coming back. Teaching us about the return of, of Jesus Christ, that he is coming again. He came a first time as the baby. He's coming again as king. And as I mentioned, we... Um, I mean, most Orthodox Christians believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have here, well, let me just say this first. I think one of the first things he teaches in this passage is that we need to be ready, right? Did he notice that? How many times? Lots of times, right? Be ready, be watching, be waiting, be alert. It kind of means have it on your radar. (laughs) Have the second coming of Jesus on your radar, be alert, be watching, be waiting, be, be prepared for that. We, uh, this church is an MB church, if you didn't know that. And in our MB Confession of Faith, Article 18, it says this. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ will return visibly and triumphantly at the end of the present age. Here we go. The church must always be prepared, be ready to meet the Lord, living in expectation of his imminent return. So the, one of the things we take from this passage is that we need to be ready, right? That just seems to be very clear in there. Need to be alert, need to be focused, need to be watching, need to have it on your radar that Jesus Christ is going to return. So if you go back to verse 35, <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of almost a summary statement. Verse 35, it says, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamp burning. So it says there really literally, have your, have your robe tuck, tucked into your belt. So you think robe, was that all about? Well, in those days, the, a lot of the people wore, they wore robes, right? And so you could easily trip on a robe. So it means to have your robe so it's not dragging on the ground. Tuck it into your belt so you're not going to trip over it and you're ready for action. You're ready for service. We might say today, roll up your sleeves. Let's get ready here, right? So it'd be ready. There's that image. And then it talks about... In verse uh, 36, like servants waiting, uh, no, sorry, verse 35 still, keep your lamps burning. So, of course, they didn't have electricity back then. They just didn't flip on a switch. So they were told to light candles, uh, keep the lamps burning. Why? Well, the image goes on because your master is at a wedding banquet and you don't know when he's going to return. So keep your lamps burning because he could return at 7 p.m., when it's dark out, it could return in the middle of the night. So keep your lamps burning. Back then, their wedding uh, ceremonies didn't last. Their receptions weren't from 6.30 to 11 o'clock at night. They could go on not just for hours, but they could go on for days. <laughs> they could go on for a week, their wedding reception. So could return anytime. So have that lamp burning. So when your master returns, you're ready. The lamp's open on. You can open the door. So the image then again is be ready, right? Kind of this image is being, being ready. So it's being ready. I mean, that's pretty clear. So, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you play tennis or you watch tennis, they have something called uh, 
ready position, right? So the Australian Open starts today uh, down in Melbourne, and you'll watch all these tennis players in the, with the ready position. And the ready position is this, right? Ready? Can you see me? It's, it's like here. This is the ready position. So I'm waiting at between the end of the last point and the start of the new point. You got to be in the ready position. You got to do something to be ready, right? Now you'll watch different players with different personalities and they have different routines. So Rafael Nadal, hoping he doesn't break Roger Federer's record, but Rafael Nadal, he has 10 nervous twitches that he does getting ready. Roger Federer, he just twirls the racket like this. Novak Djokovic, he has his eyes, and his legs wide apart, and his, he opens his eyes really wide, like, ah. Maria Sharapova, she turns her back, and then kind of like this. She, that's how she gets in the ready position. She does that. And when they all have different, they all have different uh, you know, routines they go through, but the idea is you're getting ready for the next point. So it's just, I mean... Yeah, this is pretty clear, right? Uh, be ready. Just be ready. Be alert. Is it on your radar? Let me just ask you that. The second coming of Jesus. Well, no. <laughs> it's not. I'm not too busy with all this. Other. Well, just be ready. Be watching. Be waiting. Be an alert. Have it on your radar that Jesus Christ could return. Okay? Why? Well, one of the reasons is because you don't know when he's coming back, right? And there's a big part of this passage that talks about that. It says you don't know the hour. Oh, yeah, but I heard someone who once said, don't listen to them. They don't. And I went through a generation when it was kind of all that. You know, one of the interesting things about the second coming of Jesus, when, um, when I went to seminary back in the late 80s, 1980s, it seemed that everyone was talking about the second coming of Jesus. Everyone. I mean, there was a book series. It's kind of, I want to ask if you read it. But, uh, but it was called, remember what it was called? Left Behind. And it sold more than 80 million copies. A lot of people, and it was about the second coming of Jesus. You know, a lot of people were talking about the second coming of Jesus back then. I went to a church, believe it or not, the younger folks, will, you'll, you won't believe it. But on a Friday night, they, we had a prophecy conference talking about the second coming of Jesus. And it was packed out, the church. And you're like, what? No one would come tonight on a Friday night to something like that. But people were talking about the second coming of Jesus. The thing is, I got turned off about the second coming of Jesus because all they talked about, all they did was argue. And yeah, they had those crazy, goofy charts. Remember those? You know, like you have to have your charts and all these things diagrammed. This is how, are you, are you a pre-trib or are you a post-tribber? Like today, you have no idea what that means, right? But that was big thing back then. Churches actually split over the second coming of Jesus Christ. It was in their statement of faith. You had to believe certain things. So I, and probably it was a backlash to that, that I just got turned off that stuff about the second coming of Jesus so my sense today, that was unhealthy. And my sense today is, my sense, my little view in my little world, is we've gone the opposite. And so we don't talk about the second coming of Jesus. Even today, maybe you, you knew, I'm going to talk about, and you're rolling your eyes. Like, really? Yeah. Like, it's not of any interest to you. And so we don't talk about the second coming, which I think is as equally unhealthy. Because the Bible talks that Jesus Christ is going to return. And the idea is, one of the things is that it's going to be a great event, but we need to be ready. Need to be ready. 
And the other thing is, he says, we need to be ready is because we don't know when. It says we don't know the hour, we don't know the time, don't know the day. So we don't know, right? And then it talks about this thief in verse 39. Uh, in verse 39. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now, I think it would be really healthy, helpful, helpful, I should say, if I knew my house was going to be broken into. How about you? Like, if I got a call right now, or maybe this afternoon, hello, is this Brian Stewart? Yes, this is the theft hotline. We just want to let you know that your condo is going to be broken in tomorrow, Monday night, at 7.55 p.m. We just thought you would know and do what you need to do. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, if that happened, if you got that phone call, what would you do? I'd probably call the police. Hello, Abbotsford Police. There's supposed to be a break-in at my house tomorrow, Monday evening at 7.55. Could you have some police officers there? What else would you do? I might put extra security on the, the doors. I might have maybe, well, I probably wouldn't install cameras, but I might, I might if I tell Carol myself, we're not going to be there, right? We're going to be somewhere else when they're going to come. I would do something to get ready. That would be nice, but it, it doesn't work that way, right? So it's kind of like this is the image that Jesus is coming like a thief. Like, does that mean Jesus is a thief? No, you're missing the point. It's not about that. Jesus is not, is not anything like a thief except in one aspect. He's going to come when we're not expecting him, when we're not perhaps ready. So since we don't know the hour, the time, the day, the year, it could be 752 years from now. It could be five years from now. It could be this afternoon. It could be five seconds from now. We just don't know. But the point is, be ready. Be watching. Be alert. Be, be ready. Have it on your radar that Jesus Christ is going to come because it actually is good news. And that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, just common sense. I'm heading off to, on Tuesday uh, to visit my dad in Toronto. My dad's 92. Uh, he broke his hip a couple months ago. And I just wanted to go see him. I wanted to go see him. Actually, you could pray for that visit. appreciate that. But because I'm going on a vacation, well, not a vacation, because I'm going to visit my dad, there are things I did to get ready, right? I, I bought an airline ticket. I called my brother, asked if he could pick me up at the airport. I called some high school friends. We're going to get together, some other people. So there were a number of things I did to get ready. I've checked the weather in Toronto so I know what to pack, what type of clothes to pack. You know, I did things to get ready. That I'm, so it does me no good when I'm halfway across in the airplane, say over Saskatchewan, I thought, oh, I brought all summer clothes and I should have brought warm clothes. I should have brought different types of clothes or boots or things like that. It does, you know, does me no good at that point. So the idea before a journey, before a vacation, we all do this. We just do things to get ready. And so the question is, one of the questions to ask ourselves is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Are you ready? Just ask yourself, am I ready? Am I ready for the return of Jesus Christ? 
So what I would think, as I've been thinking about this message, that one of the first things I would think is, is you need to be in a relationship with God, right? That's kind of the first, most important. And so you're ready if you come to a point where you have a relationship with the God of this universe through faith in Jesus Christ. That's obviously one very key part, right, of being ready. But most of us here, because I know you and I obviously don't know your hearts and all those things where you're at. But my guess is many of you have done that, right? You're done. You can nod your head. Yeah, you've done that. You've made that decision to follow Christ. So then the text goes on to tell us something even more, not more significant, but kind of addressing us as his followers, what else it means to be ready. And that is that we are to be faithful. So it's not just being ready, ready, alert, it's on my radar, watching, waiting, but I'm to be, you're to be faithful. And he says that in verse 42, where it says, if you look back there, actually, Peter, Peter's always saying whatever. Peter, in verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And no, Jesus doesn't answer his question, really. He just goes on, Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 42, the Lord answered, who then is the faithful, knows that faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food allowance at the proper time. So kind of the key there, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this, dive into this, is that we need to be faithful. So ready, yeah, alert, watching, waiting. So think about that, you know, as you go to work, and we all have things to do, right? But it's to be on your radar that Jesus Christ could return. But even a bit deeper than that is that you're to be faithful with the things, you've, things you have. And Luke's been talking in Luke 12, faithful with their money. You know, he talked about the, the foolish fellow who wasn't rich towards God. We're to be uh, faithful with our time that we have. We're to be faithful with, you know, the old uh, time treasure talents. We're to be faithful with the time. We're to be faithful with our, our talents, our gifts using it to further God's kingdom, right? And we're to be faithful with the treasures, our, our money, possessions that God has given us. So he talks about that, and then really, it gets into some <laughs> difficult stuff to interpret here. It's kind of pretty harsh stuff as well. But don't get lost in this. I think really what the big message is in the following verse is that there's some good news and there's some bad news when it comes to the Lord's return, especially on this subject about being faithful. There's good news and there's bad news. You know those good news, bad news jokes where the doctor says to the patient, I got some uh, good news and bad news for you. Give me the good news. The doctor says, well, I got your report back and the good news is you have 24 hours to live. 24 hours to live? <laughs> What's the bad news? I got the report yesterday. Oh. Uh, uh. Good news, bad news. The, leaders, uh, the chair of the leadership team comes up to the pastor and says, uh, Brian, pastor, I got some good news and bad news for you. What's the good news? Attendance has gone up drastically over the last three weeks. Wow, what's the bad news? You were away. <laughs> good news, bad news, right? So... Here Jesus talks about some good news and bad news when it comes to his, uh, about the faithfulness. That's, what do you want first? Well, I planned the bad news first. How about I give you the bad news, okay? So the bad news is, um, it's pretty bad. It is. It says in verse 44, so there's three servants that they talk about here. And it's, just remember, it's, it's, it's bad news. 
if we've been unfaithful in light of the return of Jesus. Kind of remember that. So verse 44. Truly I tell you. Uh, so verse 45. Here's servant one. But suppose the servant says to himself. My master is taking a long time in coming. And they begin, then he begins to beat the other servants. Both men and women. And to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come. On a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Wow, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Yeah, don't you find that? That's harsh. I find it, I don't even like reading it out loud. It's harsh, that. So it seems to me that this, uh, this servant maybe was uh, in charge of all the other servants. You get that impression, right? And he's like, ah! The old man's not coming back for a long time. So, you know, let's just, let's just have a party. So, and what he did is that he just everything themselves. He, he was beating the other servants. That is, he, he was abusing the p- other people around him. And, uh, you know, all the stuff he was in his care, the food, the drink, just got drunk. And it's just, it, man, he was told, is this a picture of being unfaithful? Yeah, of being unfaithful, what you have. And it's just bad news. So when the master returns back, it talks about, Come to pieces. Think, my goodness, what's that all about? Well, it's just harsh. <laughs> and it's harsh. And it's difficult to understand. It's, it's, uh, it's used in the, in the Old Testament, uh, Septuagint, to, to translate words like to cut animals into, into pieces, like for sacrifice. It's just harsh. Some people have tried to soften it a bit by saying the uh, Aramaic meaning is to be cut off. Okay, so, but still harsh to me. So, this person is unfaithful, bottom line, they've been cut off. Cut off from who? Well, cut off from God. And they're with the other believers, separated forever uh, from God. It's just harsh. Who is that? People differ. I tend not to think this is a believer. I tend to think, though, this could have been a religious leader in the church. Who nodded his head at all the right things and seemed to be a believer, but was fooling everyone and wasn't. Real harsh. And then there's these other two, which uh, these other two servants in verse uh, 47, servant two. I, I sense, I could be wrong, but we could talk more about this afterwards. But I think these two perhaps are believers. So that verse 47, the servant who knows the master will and does not get ready for uh, or does not do what the master wants, would beat him with many blows, a little bit less severe. And then verse 48 is kind of the person who's ignorant, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. Either way, it's, uh, it's about the being punished, and it's because it's bad news for those who have been unfaithful. I think that's but now I think that's the big lesson we need to take from this. It's bad news. The return of Jesus is bad news if you've been unfaithful with the things you have. And this is summary verse at verse uh, uh, 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So let me ask you, have you been given much? Yeah, I would say for me, I, I, I think I've been given much. How would you answer? You know, it's between just answer to yourself right now. But I would say, I would say probably most of us have been given much. 
And so what does it say? It's about faith not. Everyone has been given much, so it be much time, much money, you know, much possessions compared to the rest of the world, much gifts and talents. We have a lot of gifted talent people here that uh, I think overall, well, I'll speak to myself. I've been, given, I've been given a lot compared to other people in the world. So what does it say? It's about faithfulness. From everyone who has been given much, much we demand it. You need to be faithful. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be added. So another question, are you ready? <laughs> I mean, and let's be honest, like for some of us, no, I'm not ready. I, I don't think about the second coming of Jesus at all. It's not on my radar as I go to work in the morning, as I go out with my soccer club running group. It, it's not on my radar. Well, get it on your radar. Yeah, be, it's, 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 it's good news. Be, have it on your radar. Be alert that Jesus Christ could return anytime. And ask yourself, are you faithful with the things you have? So sometimes when some of us, like my type of personality, I'm always, I always feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> That's my personality. So if I heard a pastor say this right now to me, I'd be saying, oh no, I'm always unfaithful. So maybe some of you react like that. So don't, don't freak out, okay? I mean, ask yourself honestly. My guess is a lot of you here have been faithful. <laughs> yeah. I, my sense as your pastor is that a lot of people here, you are faithful with the things God has given you. And that, that's good news. Yeah. But we have to ask ourselves, have I been faithful with the things God has entrusted with me? Because it's good news. It's bad news if you're not, but it's good news. Because notice it says, if you go back, to, actually three times in this passage, I don't know if you picked it up, but it uses the word good. And it's that word blessed, but it's the word good in the NIV. Verse 37, if you go back there, it will be good. For those uh, servants whose master finds them watching and ready. In verse 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. And then in verse uh, 43 here, it will be good for that servant who the master finds them doing so when he returns. So it's good news, right? <laughs> when Jesus returns, if, you've been, if you're ready and you're faithful. Not perfect. It's not saying that. But you seek him to be faithful with the things God has given. It's good news when he comes back, right? It's good news. Because, yeah, we're going to be rewarded. In, it's not basic, we're not saved by our works. But in the Bible, you are, there's a sense that the coming of Jesus, there's these rewards that take place as well. Another subject. But one of the things, I don't know if you why it's really good news. I don't know if, uh, I, I kind of skimmed over it. But go back to verse Verse 37, did you notice that? Verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Do you notice that? There's this great reversal. When Jesus comes back, what's he going to be doing? He's going to be waiting on you. He's going to be serving you. Yeah. Incredible. And the picture here is this, is this wedding banquet. You know, the banquet of the Lamb and this wedding banquet. And it's just going to just think of your wedding or think of a great wedding you've been at. And it's just a real joyful occasion, right? It's, it's filled with your. Think of a good wedding, you know, where there's your friends, good friends, and great food. And what's that? Or your own. Oh, what's that? Wedding. Oh, your own wedding. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I should be thinking that, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Denise. That's what I meant. Think about my own wedding. 
yeah, not someone else's. Right? Um, it'd be great, right? It'd be great. And the best part of all is that Jesus is going to be there. That's why this is so, so good news. The coming, there's going to be this, the new heavens and the new earth. And there's going to be no more pain and suffering and mental illness and medication and disease and loneliness. And there's going to be no more injustices and all that. It's going to be a place of everything is going to be renewed and made new and made right. And the best part of all is that Jesus is going to be there. It's good news about the second coming of Jesus. But the key is, are you ready and are you faithful? Good news. It's kind of the good news, bad news. It's sort of like uh, I came across this story uh, just a couple of days ago. And I wrote this teacher, and I think she, her class was quite young, like grade three. And she said to the class, I have to uh, pop out for a few minutes, but just, uh, you know, I trust you folks. Just be faithful. Just keep doing your math homework, right? Well, I'll be, I won't be gone long, right? So she leaves the room, and yeah, she ended up being, it was five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden she comes back in the classroom, and guess what? There's Brian pulling Carol's hair, who's trying to do her math homework, right? And there's Dennis up on the teacher's desk going, nah! And the teacher comes in. So it's really good news for Carol and the people doing the homework. It wasn't so good news for Brian and Dennis. We wish she hadn't come back. And it's good news, bad news. This, You know, for those who've been faithful, that's pretty true also probably um, for those who have been faithful when Christ returns it's good news it's good news but it's kind of a, a bit of a wake up call for us you know are we faithful are we ready and we're faithful you know mm-hmm. we're faithful with the things that we have been entrusted with with our, the time that we have we furthering seeking to further God's kingdom seeking to Love God more, love other people more, care for the poor, those things that Luke has been talking about, right? Are we faithful with the resources, the money that we, are we rich towards God, as he was saying earlier on in, in Luke? Are we faithful with uh, the gifts that we've all been given? Are we faithful in furthering God's kingdom? I was listening to uh, John Ortberg. And John Ortberg, you may know that name. He's written some books. And he talked a very interesting story. He talked about how he's uh, learned some of life's great lessons from playing a uh, playing board game. And he talked about the time Monopoly. Remember, you know the game Monopoly? We've all played Monopoly, most of us. And he said he learned... Uh, uh, some life lessons from his uh, from his grandmother. His grandmother was really really nice person, very kind person, very generous, but she was very competitive when it came to playing Monopoly. In fact, she was a little bit ruthless when it came to playing Monopoly. And so his her John's grandmother uh, would always always beat John, and she would say things like, "Don't worry, Johnny. One day you'll learn how to play the game." And so one summer came. And uh, John Orpberg, when he was a kid, little Johnny, he was determined to learn to play the game Monopoly. And so that fall, when he saw his grandmother next, he was, he took it to Granny. And <laughs> he beat his grandmother. 
He beat his grandmother because he understood how the game is played. He understood to win the game is accumulating things. Money and, you know, boardwalk and all these properties. That's how the game is won. But then he learned one final lesson. And it came at the end of the game. And he learned from his grandmother that at the end of the game, all the pieces go back in the box. In fact, he wrote a book on this. At the end of the game, all the pieces go back in the box. And he learned that. He learned that after the game was over, Monopoly or other games, that, you know, all the money, the make-believe money, goes back in the box. All the hotels you bought, all the things you bought, all those things, they go back into the box. And so he learned that, that in light of that truth, how it's important to learn and to know how to play the game. And I would say, he goes on to say, that in light of that truth, right, that at the end of our lives, everything goes back in the box. You could say we go back in the box too, right? But in light of that, have we lived our lives faithfully to Jesus? Have we been faithful with the things that he has entrusted to us? If we have, It is such incredible good news, the coming of Jesus. But we're called to be ready and faithful. It's not flashy, you know, but it's true to be faithful and ready. And so many of you are, you know, that I observe and watch and I thank the Lord for you. But it is a reminder, it's a call, it's a challenge to us to be ready and to be faithful and to invest our lives in that which is eternal, not what is only temporary. He went on, John Ortberg, and I just found this really interesting. He said, and um, he said, would it be a good thing to do? And I'm going to challenge just you to this. Take, um, get two sticky pads this week, okay? Even this afternoon. And on one of them, write the word, Temporary. Temporary. Just do that. And just write it, write it many times, right? And when you do that, go around your house and put those sticky notes on anything that's temporary. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff. So go in your, I would go in my clothes closet and mama clothes. Put a sticker, temporary. I would, uh, this is my laptop. No, I'm not going to put it on you, Karen. No, no. <laughs> But on my laptop, I would uh, put temporary. Uh, I could uh, take my wallet out, put temporary. On my condo, put it outside, temporary. On our RAV4 that's out there, temporary. My bike, you know, my scooter, <laughs> lots and lots of things. Just go around your house. You can do that with your kids. Do that. And uh, just put temporary on those things. Because a lot of the things that we spend, you know, like a lot of things we invest our energy in, so it's temporary things, right? And then he said, I found really helpful, take another sticky notes and just write another word. And you know what that word is, right? Eternal. And what you do with that, maybe this is figuratively or maybe ask people before you do it, put it on things that are eternal. And my guess is that's probably just going to be people. <laughs> I may put it on God's word, eternal, right? 
but go around and you know, give it to her. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Eternal. Give it to uh, people that you know. Give it to your family members, to your friends. Uh, just stick it on the head or figuratively. Eternal. The people you work with, eternal. People here at the church, eternal. The person you least like the least in this world, eternal. Your boss, eternal. Eternal. And God calls us, Jesus calls us to invest our lives in that which is eternal in people in God's kingdom and so it's very very good news I did it this week with the staff I, I, with Joe and uh, Joe and um, Sarah were in the office so I gave them sticky notes uh, it was kind of funny is Sarah here maybe she's Sarah She's downstairs. So I, I actually, I, I, I gave it to Joe, and Sarah's like, what about me? <laughs> so I gave her eternal. And then I saw the rest of the day, she was kind of walking around with eternal on her back. And don't forget to put it on your forehead, because you're eternal, right? You matter to God. And so it's good news, right? Well, it's bad news, the second coming of Jesus for those who are not ready and not faithful. But it's really good news. For those who are ready and faithful, let's be ready. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these great lessons of truth. Thank you that Jesus, that you are eternal. We want to invest in your eternal kingdom, in the lives of people. I pray, Lord, that here, we here, everyone that hears my voice today, they are ready, that we are ready. We're watching, we're alert, we're prepared for your second coming, and that we are faithful. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.